0: And welcome to Electronic Ears with me, Fenner. Let's uh, kick off this week's show with a track by a band called AR Agar, Agar who my son put me onto this week. Unusual for him to recommend an electronic band to me. Um, it's taken from their EP called Carden, C A R D E N. And originally, I was going to play the opening track on the album. And as the week's gone on, I've kind of liked every different track at different points. This is the one that I've settled on for now though this I'll no doubt play some of the other tracks over the coming weeks but this one is called Symbios Symbios by Agar Agar, taken from their EP, which is called Carden. Now, I remember late 1988 and 1999 particularly well. Uh, 88 was when I left university and I went back to London and. Towards the end of that year, I took my band, which is called Halo Jones, and we took on a guitarist, a drummer, and a bass player. And the bass player was a very good friend of mine called Rick, who'd moved to London from Cardiff. He's an absolutely excellent bass player. And we spent loads of time hanging out. It was just just a great time in my life. And I remember around that time, Jesus Jones were just kind of bubbling under. It was just before they broke through. And Rick bought their single, Info And man, what a belting song. It was such a sort of, oh, it was so new and exciting, and it was so much better than this kind of like dance rock crossover that had gone before. It seemed like a distinctly new genre. And I think this song, which was to say was their first single, just defines it perfectly. Jesus Jones, taken from their first album, Liquidizer, this is called Info i Jesus Jones and Info Frico taken from their debut album uh, Liquidizer and I think that must have been one of the very first albums I bought on CD, actually, around that time. Um, I, didn't buy, I didn't buy CDs when they first came out because the CD players were so horrendously expensive, as were the CDs themselves. Uh, I think Peekaboo by Susan the Banshees might be the first CD single I got. I remember my girlfriend at the time buying me uh, Kate Bush's The Sensual World, anyway. But let's leap 30-odd years into the future. And Apparat, uh, whose LP5, I bought recently, and, and I was planning to play a track from that on the show this week... Um, But then in the office, my colleague Paul played an album by Apparat from 2007 called Walls, which I'd never heard before, and it's much more upbeat uh, than his later stuff. It lacks a bit of that melancholy, actually, but I really, really liked it. So I'm going to play you a track from that, and this is called Hold On.
1: And I don't know what it's up to So blame it all on the moon And there's nothing we could do And I'd like to make this thing Happening It's yes, happening So I'd like to make this thing it's happening It's happening Hold on To what
0: Parat and Hold On from their 2007 album, Walls, if you're interested in picking that up. Now, I can remember the first thing I ever bought by Nine Inch Nails. I think it was on Mute Records, actually. It was a 12-inch of a track called Head Like a Hole. And I don't think I've ever heard anything by them since that I liked quite as much as I liked that. It was actually a lot more kind of hard-edged and rocky than the kind of typical stuff I was listening to at the time, which was kind of more synth poppy. And over the years, I've kind of listened... I've had an ear out for Nine Inch Nails. I'll pick up an album now and then. I'm not really keen so much on that kind of new metal sound. But there was an album they bought out a few years ago uh, called Hesitation Marks. And there's a track on that which I particularly like called Copy of A. And I'm going to play it for you right now.
2: Of a copy of a copy. Everything I say has come before. Assembled into something, into something, into something. I don't know for certain.
0: Inch Nails and the track copy of A. He gets the vocal on that just right I think just when I think it's sounding a bit boring he just comes in a slightly lower register I think it works fantastically. Now your typical pop song will be about three minutes long. you got your intro Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, verse, chorus, chorus, coda. And that all fits snugly into that three minutes. But in the 60s, uh, singles started getting a bit longer. And I think the Beatles, when they released Hey Jude, they actually extended it slightly to make it the longest single that had been released. But of course, over time, you then got Kraftwerk a few years later releasing Autobahn. And in the album version, that's 24 minutes long. But it's an interesting thing, isn't it? If you're going to have a longer song, how do you keep it interesting? And I think sometimes it'll be almost like it's two or three songs uh, put together and other times a song just evolves over time, and sometimes it's just a very, very long groove. And this week I was listening to Archive's album You All Look The Same To Me, which is a great album, I actually highly recommend it. a really interesting band, very low profile as far as I know, but very good, Archive they're called. And there's this track which comes in at a staggering 15 and a half minutes, so sit back and enjoy this, and just, just pay a little bit of attention, I think. It makes it interesting to just hear how the song evolves. This is Archive and Finding It So Hard... Rest. That was Archive and Finding It So Hard from their 2002 album, You All Look the Same to Me. Now, one of the things that's changed, I think, over the time I've been recording the show is that I've become far more interested in analogue synthesis and the people who do that. So thinking of people like Craven Fultz and Zoe Blade, uh, you know, and that involves a lot of work with sequences. And it was only kind of since I've taken more of an interest in the actual process and the equipment itself that I realised why so much stuff was? It was so exciting at the time to have this sequence ability, and that's remained part of kind of the analog synth um, process, really. And I think a lot of the bands I find on Bandcamp, in particular, you kind of have these songs where they've just kind of found a sequence and they set that going and they do stuff with it. And sometimes it's quite interesting and not particularly gripping and you have to kind of keep an ear out for the stuff that's got that little something extra to it and this week I came across an album or an EP in fact called You Vacuum by an artist called Bit Cloudy and it has a song that really does fit that mould that starts off sounding just like a bit of kind of generic analogue synth sequencer work um, and then finds its own space and becomes I think really interesting it's called Hours to Kill and this is the mono image version. That's the artist Bit Cloudy with a track from his U Vacuum EP, and it's called Hours to Kill, and that was released uh, just recently, actually, maybe in the last week or so. Now, it's rare that my son's musical world and mine cross, uh, particularly by accident. Uh, He's very often into classical music and jazz. He's a great guitarist. Um, not so much into the electronic music, although we do listen to a lot of stuff together. We don't sort of live in separate musical rooms, as it were. But this week he mentioned in passing that he was learning to play a track called Electric Counterpoint by Steve Reich. And that reminded me, a few years ago now, my friend Simon and I went down to Edge Hill Station where an outfit called Metal were putting on an event. Um, the main event was a track called, I think it's... I've, do you know the name that's gone out of my head? I've got Red Light Fever. Something trains. Um, different trains, it was called. And they were doing the performance actually on the station. At one point, a train actually went through. It was it was absolutely great. Uh, I think they picked Edge Hill because it's, la- it's the oldest passenger station in the world or something. Uh, something along those lines. But the support act was a guy called Mats Bergstrom, who was playing uh, Steve Reich's Electric Counterpoint. Uh, all three pieces of that. Um Did I mention it's Steve Reich who wrote the uh, different trains, the main event? So I guess that's why they chose him to do that. And I enjoyed it so much, I went and bought the album. As I say, there's three pieces on it, and this is the third one. This is Electric Counterpoint Fast. Electric Counterpoint Fast by Steve Reich, as played by Mats Bergstrom. Now, if you're a Twitter user, you may have come across a guy called Simon Ricketts, who was, in his day job, was the night uh, editor or the night guy for The Guardian newspaper. Uh, Huge Watford fan as well. But he was the master of Twitter. He was a lovely generous, humorous, intelligent guy. I first came across him years and years ago. Uh, He was having to have a medical procedure where they were going to put him into a coma for a couple of weeks. And he wrote a blog post before that, which is one of the bravest things I've ever written and dryly humorous at the same time. It's an incredible experience for him to go through. And a little while after that, he started going out uh, with a friend of mine, Andrea. And I went to a tweet up in London and that was the first time I met him. And he was just an amazing guy. I absolutely adored him. He was everything in real life that you'd come to expect from uh, his Twitter presence. Um, I only met him a couple of times over the years, but I used to interact with him on Twitter and I always enjoyed his tweets. He was, as I say, he was just a absolute master of the form. I mean, Twitter has become a nasty place these days, I think. Uh, you can still find some goodness in there. But he was just a real ray of sunshine. Um, but his illness came back and he passed away a few weeks ago, uh, which was very sad. I saw him last year when he, when he knew how ill he was and he was still just the same guy. Loving, generous, just so free with his attention, his time, but also such an interesting guy as well. Anyway, last week um, uh, was his memorial service at St Bride's. Uh, just off Fleet Street, and uh, Andrea invited me and the Minks to go along, which we did, and it was an amazing service. St Bride's, a beautiful church, and a lovely, warm rector there, and all the readings were great. The two of the readings were actually blog posts by Simon, which kind of really brought him into the room, which was lovely. Uh, Hugo Rifkin spoke, and Kath Viner from the Guardian, and they both spoke brilliantly. Um, it was such a it was such a Simon event. It was. Though it was sad, it was there was so much joy and happiness and laughter in the room. And the choir there were incredible, they, th- they sang uh, three songs. Um, and one of them was the Proclaimers' song, Sunshine on Leith. Now, I've never been a massive Proclaimers fan. In fact, when I was at university, my friend Rob, in a review in the university newspaper, described him as being Chas and Scotland's answer to Chas and Dave. And as I say, I was never particularly familiar with this song, but their version was so beautiful uh, that I actually went away and bought it. And I'm going to play that to close the show this week. It's not an obvious candidate for electronic ears by any means, although it does kind of fit in. It's not a particularly orthodox song, but it is absolutely beautiful. So I'm going to play this one for Simon. Before I kick it off, I'll just say thanks for listening. I hope you'll be back next week. And until then, cheers. Bye.